irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to The Dr. Nina Show with Dr. Nina Savelle Rockland, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Hey there, welcome to The Dr. Nina Show here on L.A. Talk Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Nina Savelle Rockland, and I'm here to help you lose weight without dieting. That means no more counting calories or carbs, no more thinking about food all the time. It really is possible to lose weight and gain health all without ever going on another diet. So today, I'm going to talk about two subjects, fashion and binge eating. Now, depending on the way you look at it, those things are either totally connected or completely opposite. So last week was fashion week. Fashion Week is a a fashion industry event where designers show their latest collections and runway shows to buyers and the media and movie stars, and it's all very glamorous. Uh, I'm going to go back to fashion in a bit, but first, let's talk about binge eating. So this week is Eating Disorder Awareness Week, and here's something you might not know. The most common and most prevalent eating disorder is binge eating disorder. Binge eating impacts 8 million people in the United States alone. I actually think that number is um, off because a lot of people do not, especially guys, do not uh, report their behavior with food. So it impacts at least 8 million people, people in the United States alone and many more worldwide. And, you know, a common assumption is that if you struggle with binge eating, uh, you're going to be overweight or obese. And that is a misconception because people with binge eating disorder may be overweight, may be obese, or may be a normal weight. Obesity is a physical condition that may or may not be the result of binge eating disorder. Obesity can result from many factors, including poor eating habits, heredity, culture. Some people just make bad food choices or or they don't have the time or knowledge uh, or uh, ability to to make nutritious food, and that can lead to gaining weight. Um, Other people may be genetically prone to just being at a heavier weight. So all these factors can cause obesity, but they're not indications of an eating disorder. Binge eating disorder is a complex psychological condition. People binge for many different reasons, including um, denying feelings, avoiding them, enacting painful or upsetting thoughts, emotions, or conflicts. So the bottom line is binge eating disorder is not underline highlight and bold not binge eating disorder is not about willpower and it is not about vanity it's not really even about food binging is not the real problem it is a temporary solution to the real problem which can be any number of things going on inside that make you turn to food to resolve them so How do you know if you have binge eating disorder? So here are some characteristics. Um, uh, Recurrent episodes of binge eating at least once a week for three months. 
eating a larger amount of food than normal during a short time frame, uh, by short time frame, um, like within any two-hour period. And a sense of lack of control or actual lack of control over eating during that binge eating episode. The feeling that you just can't stop. You just can't control what you're eating or how much you're eating. You just feel completely out of control. And binge eating is also associated with at least three or more of of these following features. Eating until you're uncomfortably full. Eating large amounts of food when you're not physically hungry. Eating much faster than normal. Eating alone out of embarrassment. And, and this is the, the number one one that I see, feeling disgusted, depressed, ashamed, guilty after, after what you, you ate. Just thinking, wow, if people really knew what I did with food, they would just, they would, they would think so differently of me. So there are two reasons that people binge. One is physiological and one is psychological. So on the, on the physiological side, lots of people who binge at night eat very restricted diets during the day, leaving them very vulnerable to binging at night because guess what? They're starving. They're ravenous. If you just have like a a bar and a salad all day, uh, you're going to be super hungry. You're going to be ravenous. And when you start eating, it's going to be very hard to stop. So that's why sometimes just eating more during the day can really help uh, these binge episodes stop. Um, So that's something to think about. Food for thought. So in terms of the psychology of binging, as you've probably heard me say, it's not about what you're eating. It's about what's eating at you. So making peace with food is not about being more disciplined or having more self-control. Healing your relationship with food is about understanding how, you, how you've come to use food as a way to comfort yourself, a way to ex- distract yourself from pain, numb yourself. Basically, it's a way of coping that also hurts you. That's why I call it a frenemy. It's a friend. It does something for you. It soothes you. It distracts you. It comforts you. It, it does something for you, but it also, of course, ultimately hurts you much more than it helps you. And when you figure out what's going on inside that's leading to binging, leading to using food to resolve something uh, inside, you can address that, those reasons directly. And then things with food totally change. Um, what makes it complicated, of course, is that often these conflicts, these emotions, uh, the turmoil within is, is unconscious. That, that means it's hidden. You don't even know you're feeling something, but it totally affects you and causes your behavior with food. So um, an example is an order, because that all sounds very like, what, what, what am I talking about? So some of you may be familiar with the story of my patient Jenna, who was convinced that she was addicted to Chunky Monkey. I talk about her situation a lot because it is such a perfect illustration of what I mean by hidden emotions and conflicts. So uh, Jenna was watching TV after having a, a perfectly fine day when all of a sudden, as she put it, Ben and Jerry's was calling her name. And she truly thought she was being triggered by ice cream. You know, she, she told me that she was convinced she was a sugar addict. 
Uh, why else would Ben and Jerry's just suddenly call, call for her? But really, what we discovered was she was triggered by what she was watching on TV, which triggered something, some conflict about uh, her sister. And, and this was before she could be aware of what was going on, because this was so upsetting to her, and it's something she really didn't want to deal with or think about or feel, before she could even be aware that she was being triggered by what she was watching on TV, she went to ice cream for distraction and for comfort. So if we had only dealt with the ice cream, well, when Ben and Jerry's calls your name, you know, this is what you should do. Take a walk or a bubble bath or tell yourself a mantra. That would not have helped. That would not have helped because that was not the problem. The problem was not ice cream. The problem was her anxiety about her sister. I've also shared uh, Michelle's story. Michelle ate perfectly during the day, perfectly, perfectly, but at night everything went south. And maybe maybe you can relate to this because I, I hear this a lot. So every, every night after dinner, Michelle would develop what she called a weakness for chips. Now, she and her husband used, used to read together at night. They were doing this challenge, this year-long challenge, where they did not watch TV for a whole year. I am not sure why. Uh, so much good stuff is on TV. Why would you not watch TV for a whole year? Um, anyway, I digress. Michelle could never get through the book she was reading because she kept getting up and eating Doritos, usually until the whole bag was gone. Now, keep in mind, eating that bag of chips only happened at night and only while she and her husband were reading. So, guess what book she was reading? Where's my drum roll? I don't have a drum roll sound effect. So you'll just have to imagine the drum roll. She was reading, drum roll, Fifty Shades of Grey. Yes, that book can stir up feelings about intimacy and trust and sexuality and uh, maybe thoughts about writing. But it also deals with surrendering control. And that really hit home for Michelle. Not when it came to intimacy. It was control in other areas. Because here's the deal. Michelle, if she was honest with herself, did not want to read books for a year. She actually wanted to Netflix and chill, but she felt as if she had to go on this year-long TV diet because that's what her husband wanted which is a whole other story about why she deferred to her husband, which I won't even go into. But basically, she did not recognize that she was triggered by reading the book because like, like Jenna and the ice cream, before that uncomfortable feeling of resentment reached her awareness, she turned to Doritos as a way of escaping or numbing herself. And then, of course, she got mad at herself for eating Doritos. So the anger she felt, the anger and resentment she felt towards her husband that she could not allow herself to recognize, to voice, to even know, um, got turned against herself. And she just, she, the, what she really wanted to direct it at him, she directed at herself. So Michelle and I worked through her conflicts about uh, the, her relationship and, and the sense of control and this feeling like she had to defer. And she started speaking up and actually telling her husband how she felt, started speaking her truth. And when that happened, 
their relationship changed dramatically. He wasn't a bad guy. He wasn't a control freak. He had no idea that she was not on board with, her, with, with him. He, he thought that she was just like, yeah, let's do this, because that's how she presented it. Yeah, good idea. Let's do this. So it's not that he was controlling her. It's that she wasn't speaking up. And when she did, he was, they were able to you know, work something out. And so when her relationship changed and she started being more honest with her husband, her relationship to Doritos also changed dramatically. Again, if we'd been focused on chips, nothing, nothing would have ever changed. Now, keep in mind, again, this was all out of her conscious awareness. Consciously, she was just trying to enjoy her book. Um, and so, again, when you deal with the root issue, things with food begin to totally change. So what would you be worried about? What would you be thinking about? What would be on your mind? What would be bothering you if you weren't thinking about food or your weight? Think about that. That's a, that, because whatever it is, it's likely that that thought, that feeling is, is so scary to you on some level or you're protecting yourself from going there that it's easier to focus on food and weight and be mad at yourself and stay in this relationship to your body rather than um, maybe say something to somebody else that you don't want to say or recognize something within yourself that's very uncomfortable. Uh, So whatever it is, if you have any thoughts, give me a call. Let me know. Let me know what's going on in your mind, and maybe I can help you through it. The number here at the station is 818-602-4929. Again, 818-602-4929. The good news is you can absolutely liberate yourself from binge eating. I I don't like to say recovery. People talk about eating disorder recovery, binge eating recovery. No, we recover from the flu. We we recover from a bad breakup. Um, We liberate ourselves from a toxic relationship to food. We free ourselves. So that's stronger, and that's actually more more realistic. That's if you're if you were in recovery, it's something you're always dealing with. No, we want to win that war and move on. So, you know, whatever unhealthy, unhappy relationship with food that you're struggling with, you really can heal. You really can change. No matter what you're afraid is going to happen, no matter what feelings you're avoiding, no matter what you fear, I am here to tell you, you will survive it. You will get past it. Often the thing that you have to deal with is in the past. You survived whatever happened. You will survive dealing with it and processing it. You, and you know, sometimes it's just, it's just not as bad as you think it's going to be. Who hasn't had that experience, right? You think it's going to be one way, and you're just, ah, I don't want to go there. And then, and then you, you do whatever it is that you're afraid to do, and it, it ends up being, hmm, you know, not as bad as you thought. In fact, this this past weekend, I took my 10-year-old daughter to get her ears pierced. Actually, it was to get them re-pierced because a couple of years ago, she had it done at one of those places in the mall where they use a piercing gun. That was a big mistake on my part. It was such a trauma for her, such a painful, horrific, awful experience 
that eventually she just took her earrings out and let her um, piercings close up. So now it's a couple years later, and she's thinking about getting her ears re-pierced because now she's 10, and apparently when you're 10, you're practically a teenager. And so she wants to get them re-pierced, but she's also super nervous. Like All she could think about was how, how painful and awful the first experience had been. And so part of her wanted to go for it, and another part of her was like, uh, no, never mind, forget it. I can live without piercings. So as we're driving to the piercing place, by the way, for those of you in the L.A. area, it's a, a tattoo piercing place called Oak and Poppy in Woodland Hills. So amazing. I was so impressed with this place, Oak and Poppy. Um, so my daughter was just freaking out. She's like, oh, my God, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt so much. Mommy, will you hold my hand? Please promise me you'll hold my hand. I'm like, yes, I'll hold your hand, but you don't even need to do this. She's like, I, I, I don't want to do it, but I do want to do it. So I'm very proud of her because after all of that, going back and forth, being freaked out, terrified, anticipating horrible pain, um, we had a, 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 a great piercing artist. Her name is Donnie Beer, Bird, Donnie Bird, who made this second piercing experience a completely different one. Basically, my daughter barely felt a thing. Like she didn't even realize her ear was pierced until like a second after it was pierced. She was prepared for pain really prepared for pain, but it barely hurt. So the point of this story is sometimes, again, we're really terrified of something, but we get the courage to go ahead anyway, and it's not as bad as you think it's going to be. Has that ever happened to you? You think it's going to be one way? You think it's going to be really bad? You're sure of it? There's no other possibility besides the awful nightmare scenario that you have in your head? And then... It turns out to be not as bad as you thought. Possibly, maybe even good. Um, but, but often it's just not as bad as you think it's going to be. So the next time you're afraid to feel your feelings, the next time you're afraid to confront someone who's upsetting you, the next time you're afraid to ask your boss for a raise or make a change in your life, remember that whatever happens you will be okay. It may not be as bad as you think, but if it is as bad as you think, you will get through it. You will heal. You will be okay. Share your thoughts about this. Give me a call here at 818-602-4929 and let me know about what you might be afraid of or, or share some times where you have faced your fears and it wasn't as awful as you thought. Or it was, but you still got past it. I'd love to hear from you. Again, that number here at the studio, 818-602-4929. Okay, now I have a question from a listener who wanted to be anonymous. Um, I'm going to paraphrase this question because I, I think a lot of you could probably relate. So basically, she said she's feeling better about herself She's finding freedom from obsessing about food. Her eating habits have changed. She's even lost some weight. And she said she was feeling pretty good and like, oh, maybe I've got the hang of this. Um, and, then, and then she saw a photo of herself and she hated the way she looked. And so she asked me, you know, 
basically like, okay, I'm making all these changes. I'm changing the way I think and the way I relate to myself. I'm even changing how I eat, I'm losing weight, but when will my body change? Bet you can relate. Um, I told her that I was glad she had found freedom from obsessing about food or thinking about you know what she was going to eat all the time, that she was making peace with food. We all know how difficult it can be to achieve that kind of liberation. And what I said to her and what I'm saying to all of you who might be wondering the same thing about, okay, when am I going to have the body I want? I know how frustrating it is when the scale doesn't change as quickly as you'd like. I totally get it. It's so frustrating and vexing. So remember, your clothes are fitting better. Your eating habits have changed. The, the weight loss will continue to happen. It will be slower than you'd like. Of course, it's always slower than you'd like. Um, but, but here's the thing. It will be permanent because when you change the way that you relate to yourself and therefore to food and you lose weight, it is, it's natural and it's forever as opposed to going on a diet which is temporary and actually makes you end up gaining more weight in the, in the long run for various reasons. So diets help you lose weight faster, but you just regain it. The horrible cycle continues and you feel awful and you feel like a failure, and you just, you know, maybe you even turn to food to make yourself feel better. It's just a horrible, awful, awful, awful cycle. So instead of just focusing on the scale, focus, focus on everything that is changing and keep supporting and reassuring yourself. The number on the scale will change, and it will change for good. You just have to be patient, which I know is so hard. Um, and, you know, thinking about the way that you look is kind of a perfect segue for what I'm going to talk about now, which is back to fashion. So, you know, maybe you think you need to lose weight before you can wear cute, fashionable clothes and think about being stylish. In fact, you know, that I can't have what I want until I'm skinny mentality is exactly what keeps so many people in that, in that place of dieting and then weight loss and then binging. Um, because when we, we give up dieting, we also give up the belief that we deserve to be treated well only after we've lost weight. There's some, there, there, there's some like second-class citizen feeling like, oh, I can only have what I want if I'm this weight, or I, can, I only deserve to be happy or only will be happy if I'm this weight. No. Now, you cannot see me if you're listening to me on the radio, but if you've ever seen me in person or seen me on my show, you, you will know I, I love fashion. I love dressing up. I love looking stylish. My Achilles heel is quite literally heels. I have a serious Carrie Bradshaw thing. I totally admit it. Um, I love high heels. I love shoes. I love clothes. Uh, I, I'm sure a lot of you are with me on that. But uh, I want you to feel good today, right? You, 
I've put together a list of things that you can do to revamp your wardrobe, fashion, and revamp your life without spending any money. First, I want to I want to clarify something. I don't care what you wear. I don't care how much makeup you put on. I don't care what color your hair you have. I don't, I don't care about any of those things. I do care about how you feel about yourself. And I see no reason why you shouldn't feel good about yourself starting right now. So I've got a, a look good, feel good tip, which is um, the first tip, which is what I already kind of alluded to, which is change the belief that only skinny or only thinner is beautiful or handsome. Because, guys, I know you're listening to this show, too. So how many times have you stopped yourself from getting ready or looking good or going out someplace because you didn't feel good? Our, Our minds seem to say, oh, you know what? You ate that. You, you're you a failure, and I'm not going to let you leave the house feeling good about yourself. If, if you don't feel good, you don't look good. Now, I'm not sure who gave that voice permission to say what is or what is not attractive, but that voice sounds really nasty and awful. Um, after all, if you do a quick Google search of curvy models, you will see thousands of images of women looking good in their skin at the size that they are. Now, one of my favorites, her name is Iskra Lawrence. She um, she posted on Instagram with a picture of her. Uh, it was two pictures of her. One was taken like right after the other, and she really did it to illustrate how just posture can make such a difference in how you appear. So in one picture, she's sort of got like stomach rolls, and the other, her stomach looks totally flat. All she did was sort of straighten her posture. And here's what she said, and I want to I want to read her words to you because they're worth hearing and internalizing. She said, quote, your fat rolls are beautiful. And the reason we've been led to believe they aren't is because we don't see them in the media unless someone's being shamed for weight gain or ridiculed for their body. This is not the truth and is not okay. Having rolls of skin, having fat that's soft or squidgy or big or small does not define your beauty. She says, I wanted to show you how my body looks when I'm relaxed and when I'm posing right next to each other so you can see how easy it is to manipulate how a body looks. Um, By the way, she has a YouTube uh, channel and you can actually see this, how she does that if you you go on her YouTube, uh, Iskra Lawrence. So she says, as a model in the industry 13 years, I've seen nearly all of the pics chosen of me for lingerie and swimwear shoots. They're the ones where my stomach looks flattest, which for a long time led me to believe that's how I should look. Because even if I did happen to have a few shots where I'm in a position you can see back fatter rolls, someone had decided it's more quote-unquote beautiful, quote-unquote aspirational, um, to inspire more customers to buy the product if those so-called quote-unquote flaws don't exist. But things are changing. She says, I remember the first time I saw curvier models in editorials um, with their rolls and back fat. And I remember the first time I shot with um, at Aerie. And they just wanted me to, they wanted me to not pose, but be real and just be myself. And then when I saw my first campaign with them and I could see my unretouched body, I'm not going to lie, I was shocked. 
and that quickly turned into joy because they made me feel good enough. And I knew that those flaws didn't mean I wasn't beautiful. In fact, showing that their models didn't have to be flawless was incredibly empowering. So thank you, hashtag Airy Real, that's A-E-R-I-E, and everyone who created the movement. It's not just game-changing, but life-changing. Not just game-changing, but life-changing. Isn't that the truth? She goes on to say she started her Instagram about three years ago, and she created the hashtag everybody is beautiful. Everybody is beautiful. Because we are more than the sum of our perfections. We are all beautiful, equal souls living in imperfectly perfect bodies. Iskra now works as a model for Airy, which is American Eagle's underwear and lingerie line. And that line has stopped retouching their models. And they just ask their models to look comfortable and happy. And this tells women, and especially young women, that these the flaws in those models don't mean they aren't beautiful. That means our flaws do, and whatever, who, who, who made up the idea that they're flaws? After all, like, you know, a few hundred years ago, you know, those, that would have been the ideal, you know, according to Rubens in, in that time. If you ever seen those Rubens paintings, that was coveted. Skinny women, blech. Uh, but we live in different times. But the point is, is that our, our, our perceived flaws don't stop us from being beautiful. So here's the thing. Skinny does not equal beautiful. Skinny or thin or thinner doesn't equal happy or happier. In fact, I know many thin women who feel insecure and unsatisfied with the way they look and with their lives. So part of the problem with believing that skinny equals beautiful is the idea that success is tied to your weight. I, I can't tell you how many people say, well, you know, skinny people have, are more successful. Skinny people have more successful careers. Skinny people have relationships. If I just lose weight, I'll have a relationship. If I lose weight, uh, I, one, one woman had always been told that she had such a pretty, pretty face, and if uh, she lost weight, that, that the guys would be lining around her block. That's what her grandmother said. The guys will be lining around the block to go out with you. And she lost weight, and she went out, looked at the block. It was empty. No one was there. She thought all she had to do was literally change her body, and boom, she'd, be, she'd have tons of dates, which did not happen. It also, you know, it, it's not really fair to guys or, or whoever you're dating um, to think that, that they're, they're only interested in what your weight is. Um, people are interested in the totality of you. And if they're only interested in your weight, then you, they do not have a place in your life. So we need to erase the idea that skinny is beautiful, that skinny is successful. And we have to find other ways to measure our success. You know, so what does it mean to be successful if it doesn't mean being skinny? And, oh, and by the way, young, that's the new thing. Got to be young. Got to stay, you know, I don't know, 26. Um, Although nowadays with the models getting younger and younger, 26 is probably quite elderly in the modeling world. So anyway, I want to know from you, what is your definition of success, of living a successful life? 
What if you challenge the belief that you can't be beautiful today, right now, as you are, this very moment? Because the only thing that's stopping you from feeling beautiful or handsome for you guys out there, the only thing that's stopping you is your belief that you're not. In fact, I believe we find power to lose weight when we give ourselves unconditional permission to look good at any size at on any day. The moment that we realize we don't need to lose weight to live the life we want to be living, we stop obsessing over calories. We we focus on other things. We feel good about ourselves. When you feel good about yourself, you are less likely to use food for comfort or distraction. When you feel good about yourself, first of all, you don't feel bad, so you don't need food to distract yourself. And when you feel good about yourself and you like yourself and you're at peace with yourself, you're more likely to be able to give yourself some, some comfort, to feel worthy of, of comfort in words instead of food. Now, here's a second tip. Since we're talking fashion today, know what you feel good in. This is different for each person. Some women feel their best in a pencil skirt and heels. Some feel their best in skinny jeans and stilettos. That's me. Some love to take it casual with tennis shoes and a baseball cap. Um, there's room for everyone here. And guys, you know, some, some guys like to wear suits. Some, Yes, some guys actually do like to wear suits, which my husband cannot believe because he would like to live in uh, jeans and, and a T-shirt. So think about what you feel comfortable with. So does putting on makeup make a difference in how you feel? And if so, what is your favorite? Do you like eyeshadow? Do you like mascara? Do you like lip gloss? Do you love all of it? Uh, on, a, on a busy day when you have limited time, what's going to make you feel best? Styling your hair or putting on some fabulous lips? Which hairstyles do you like the best? Which colors do you like to wear? What cuts and fabrics do you feel the most confident wearing? What's your favorite outfit? What are your favorite jewelry or accessories? Um, or does your sense of, of beauty remain constant regardless of what you wear or what you look like? And, you know, feeling beautiful is also an inside job, but I'm talking specifically about the outside today because, you know, look, we, we live in a culture where appearances, appearance does count. We judge each other by how we look. It would be ideal if we didn't care, but then, of course, if we didn't care, we would all have dreadlocks and walk around in burlap sacks, and that's just not the real world we live in. We live in a world where... Uh, we, where fashion is a thing, where appearance is a thing, where people will judge you on your appearance. And um, how, how you feel about yourself when you go out in the world or even when you're at home, if you feel comfortable in your skin and comfortable in your clothes, you're going to feel better. And when you feel better, again, you're less likely to use food to cope or because you're bored or for whatever reason. So the thing about these questions that I just asked is there are no right or wrong answers. And that's the fun part about fashion. It is, it's an easy way to express your personality. Um, are you professional or casual? Are you structured or romantic? Do you like bright, bright colors or, or neutrals? 
V-necks, button downs, flared jeans, skinny. Like, what do you like? And and yes, I'm talking about fashion, but I'm also interested in getting you guys to think about what you think of. Oh, I have a caller. Uh, hold that thought. Hi, caller. You're on with Dr. Nina. Hi, Dr. Nina. This is Nick. Nick, do you like flare jeans or skinnies? <laughs> I like when other people wear <laughs> tight jeans, and I just like ones that are loose for myself. Okay. Okay. Thanks uh, for thanks for playing along. How? What's going okay. on today? I, I just want to say this. Uh, I don't want to be out of line, but I have met you, and uh, you look great. Anytime I've seen you, you look phenomenal. So um, you wear nice clothes, and you wear them well, and uh, your husband's a very lucky man. Well, I just want to make that <laughs> thank clear. You. Thank you, Nick. That's very kind oh, of you. Um, but, you know, clothes are a lot. I mean, you... When you dress up and you put clothes on that you like, you feel good. Exactly. I really, I really, I really believe that. You I, know, yes. and I think of before I walk out the door, uh, I think about what I'm wearing. I look at myself, and I just it, it makes me feel good, and I, and, it, and it, that's a big thing because you also feel good because you think, oh. Am I, I, you know, they go through it, you know, I'm not fat, I, I want to look at myself, da 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 you know, and so on. And that's also an issue, um, you know, you, you don't want to look fat, anyway, and so on. And uh, it's, uh, it's a big issue, it's a, it's a big issue, it's right there with, uh, with feeling good, and feeling good about yourself. And walking into a room and feeling good about yourself walking into a room. It's all these things we've talked about over the months, you know, that have come up, that you've brought up. And uh, it's, it's a big issue. I mean, feeling good is a good, good issue about yourself. Yes. And uh, I, I believe that's what you've been talking about. Um, and uh, uh, I just wanted to say that because uh, you were talking about you know, clothes and wearing, and uh, it's important. Yeah, and it's it, important to me. And as I grew up as a kid, it was important to me. And uh, can you say uh, more? It's fun. Can you, can and, you say uh, more about that? I like it. How does that sound? <laughs> that sounds good. You you sounded very definitive. And thinking about what you like is also good practice because when you think about what you like you're less likely to be thinking about how others are observing you or um, what other people think so thinking about what you like is a good thing yeah yeah it's very good I mean it really does take away what uh, you know other people think you just you know you like yourself you know and walking in because there's been times in your life lots of times in life where you just you know, you don't feel that great, and this and that, and that person doesn't like you, or you don't. Times when you walk in places where you didn't feel great, what you look like, and uh, I mean, now in the time of my life, but I, you know, I feel that I walk in places and I, I do look good, and uh, it's just, a, it's a good feeling. It really is a good feeling to, uh, you know, to look good. 
yeah. feel good about yourself. And I want to I want to stress that I am not I am in no way suggesting that looking good is the only key to self esteem. Obviously, that is the inside job. But a lot of times, people say. It doesn't matter what you look. It shouldn't matter what you look like. Um, it shouldn't matter what you wear. It sh- all of these shoulds. Well, maybe in a perfect ideal world, but we don't live in that world. So I'm here to say that, yes, your self-esteem has to primarily come from the way you feel about yourself, but it can also come from feeling like you look, look good, a part of your self-esteem. M- too many people r- rely on it as their whole self-esteem, which is not good, but a little bit of, of uh, looking at, looking in the mirror and saying, yeah, you know, or I feel comfortable in my clothes and I feel, I like what I'm wearing, I feel comfortable. People even, you know, use that same word, comfortable in their clothes, comfortable with themselves, they feel, we use the same word for feelings. So it it does have an effect on your well-being when you feel good about your appearance at which can be any weight that's my point any weight Well that's a tough one but uh at any weight but uh um at any weight yeah I mean that's a tough one but you got to feel that you look good um, and uh, at any wage, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's a tough one at any wage. You try to feel good at what weight you are, but if you get to a point to uh, that you don't feel good about yourself about your weight, that's a tough one. And that's, you know? yes, and, yeah. but that's where thinking about your clothes and your appearance can make a difference because even if you are want to lose a few pounds or many pounds you there's a big difference between wearing clothes that fit and that's also something very important because when clothes are too small and they don't fit then you feel uncomfortable um people feel they feel their when when clothes are tight that's when people say they feel fat (laughs) Um, so to get well-fitting clothes that are attractive and in your style, you can you can still be okay with yourself and feel good about yourself while you're in the process of getting to the weight that you want to get to. Yeah. And that's tough, too. But uh, I try to keep where, where I am if I'm comfortable. It's just keeping... What, even where I want to be, that's, and that's the hard part. But that's what you got to do to feel comfortable and uh, feel good about yourself. And, uh, and that's a job in itself. And that's what we do every day um, to feel comfortable. Yeah, and uh, and, and, and that's we can't measure we can't measure your self esteem on the scale, right? Right. Well, that's what we've been doing, you know, since you know I, I, a long time ago. I told you I used to go on the scale five times a day, and then one day we talked, and I said I'm not going to get on the scale anymore, and I don't get on the scale anymore. I see it every morning, and I can't tell you the last time I've been on a scale. That is amazing, and, Nick, and and you could see how the scale, as I recall, the scale really dictated the way you felt about yourself when the number was I, up. You felt terrible. Yeah, so it, it dictated my life. It dictated who I was, how I looked, 
how I, you know, I looked at myself and, and you know, going out, I mean, no matter how nice the clothes were, the scale showed me that I'm up, I don't care if it was two pounds, I was fat because I gained two pounds. And now I haven't been on a scale months, months it's been. I am so proud of you, Nick. Now, when are you gonna when are you gonna toss that scale out? <laughs> When's that scale going in the trash? Well, you know, it sits there, but it, 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 I, I don't see it. I don't see it, and if I ever do, I just you know, it's a reminder that I don't. You know, it's just uh, it just sits there. Okay, it just sits there, and, and, and I don't even have any urge at all to to get on top of it. So now you have power over the, you have power over the scale instead of vice versa. Exactly, exactly. I I love. I can't that. believe I, you, know, you have no idea how many years, years and years, I I got on a scale at least five times a day, maybe more. It was nuts. It just dictated my life. It, I mean, how I felt, how I acted, how I reacted to other people, and how I just felt about myself. I don't know how many people that are listening to, who live by the scale, but I gotta tell you, it's, man, it's, uh, it's not a good thing. The scale is not your friend. Amen to that. Yeah. yeah. And and why, one of the reasons why people are so um, addicted to the scale is this notion that somehow if you lose weight, you'll be a better you. So just like you, you had associated in, in talking that being fat for you was sort of a way of expressing un, unlikable because you were that when you were in high school as a kid and you felt un, unlikable and unlovable. So for you, it was really code for not being good enough. And then if you lo- lost, losing weight was like losing your unlikability. And I can tell you this, that ever since I did that, I know that I've gained some weight, but it hasn't done anything to me about looking good going out, it has not affected my life. But if I was on the scale and I gained some weight, it would have driven me crazy. So I don't even, it doesn't affect me, my, my life, you know? And uh, it, it really is amazing. I, I mean, my mind is taking care of my, my how I, I deal with things instead of the scale. I mean, if I went on a scale, honestly, I gained five pounds, seven pounds, whatever it would be. And, and then I would be depressed day after day. But not having to do that, just saying, okay, I know I'm getting a couple of pounds. How am I going to get, get rid of it? And then and, and so on. But I'm not walking around, you know, like uh, the end of my life is happening because I'm not using that as my gauge. So Exactly. And that is just a, a, a beautiful example of why we have to get rid of our scales or stop trying to feel good about ourselves by losing weight. You know, lose weight for because you want to be at a healthier weight or not because you want to lose the unwanted parts of yourself because often losing weight or whatever that weight means to you it it's it's all the the things you don't like about yourself right if i exactly. if i lose weight i'm going to be a different person i'm going to lose all those things i don't like about myself and 
it doesn't work wherever whatever your weight yeah. is there you are exactly exactly so and you've done this for me with me and you've been wonderful and it's i, I can't even believe that uh, i'm doing it and uh again a thank you and again Anyone who wants to meet her, she's hot. I'm telling you, she dresses. <laughs> You're the greatest. <laughs> Nick, <laughs> I'm gl- I, thank you for the compliment, and I'm very glad that uh, you have. Hey, I'll take it. Um, but uh, but I'm also very glad that even hotter is the is the fact that you are really much more at peace with yourself and kinder to yourself and I'm so glad that you've been you know calling since day one on the show and letting seeing people see how you progress and giving up the scale and uh, all of the ways that you used to feel bad about yourself seem to have you've been that's what you've been losing and that's what we want to lose most of all well thank you so much and uh Thank you, Nick. I'll, I'll I'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. Okay. Right, bye-bye. Bye. Aw. That was so sweet. Um, so where was I? Where was I? Oh, we only have... Actually, I'm done. <laughs> Show's over. I'm out, I'm out of time. Um, I'm going to be talking more about this in the future, and I'm also going to be writing some blog articles on this subject. So if you haven't already done so, go to my website, winthedietwar.com, and sign up for one of my free giveaways, uh, how to get through the night without binging, 100 ways to make peace with food, and stop stress eating, 25 ways to cope without food. Sign up for one of those free giveaways and you'll get on my mailing list and get access to all the things that I've got going. So thank you again for joining me today on the Dr. Nina Show here on LA Talk Radio. I am here every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific to give you the skinny on weight loss without dieting and help you have a healthier, happier relationship to yourself and therefore to food. Thanks for being here. I'll see you next week. You're listening to The Dr. Nina Show with Dr. Nina Savelle Rockland, only on LA Talk Radio.